Let's bring him in now. Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Sidney Moncrief. Sidney, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for uh, affording me the opportunity. So let's get right down to it. We have the NBA Finals at this point. The Raptors are up two games to one after winning last night at Oracle Arena. And right now, you have the Golden State Warriors. You know, Kevin Durant, he's uncertain. He's not going to play in game four. Klay Thompson will play in game four. But we don't know how healthy he will be. Are the Warriors in trouble? Oh, I don't know. Every game, as they say, they stand on their own. And there seems not to be any momentum from one game to the next. Very difficult to predict. One thing we do know is Toronto is playing a high-level basketball, and if Golden State doesn't match it, which they probably will, uh, they could they could be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to go against the Golden State Warriors because of what the things the things they have done over the years. So we have Kevin Durant with the calf injury. I don't think the Warriors can beat the Raptors without Kevin Durant. What's your thoughts on that? It's hard to say. I think Kevin Durant, I always think you need to have at least three options, good options down the stretch. Uh, and Kevin Durant was that, to me, primary option because he, because of his size. He can always get a shot. He can always always get you, get you what we call a good look at the basket. You miss that type of player because most of the games will be close. To say they can't beat them without him, I don't really know. Injuries to other players will play a huge role. And as we have seen so far, the fact that Clay Thompson is not playing just makes the Kevin Durant injury just have more of an impact than possibly if he was playing. But you need a player like Kevin Durant on the floor uh, to be the best team that they could be. Yes, definitely. For sure, and, and I, I always thought that Kevin Durant is the guy who makes the Golden State Warriors different from everybody else. He's the guy, to me, that elevates that basketball team and, and makes that team what they are. So, end of the day, how do you see this thing shaking out? Two games to one. How do you see it shaking out moving forward? Who do you think wins this series? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't make predictions. I really don't know who's okay. going to win the series. Because it, uh, one injury on Toronto's side, everything can just turn right around. But if, if everything stays like it is now and Kevin Durant doesn't play and Clay Thompson is not full strength, then it certainly tilts in the favor of Toronto. But okay. Golden State, they are, they're not called warriors for nothing. They are warriors. They get out there and they compete. And you just can't underestimate how good of coach Steve Curry is and his coaching staff, because in most of the ball games, in spite of the injuries, they found a way to stay right there, close enough. Except the last game got away from them, but they've been just close enough to to uh, have a shot at winning the game. Definitely, we're talking to Hall of Famer Sidney Moncrief. So Sidney, in these playoffs, we've seen Kawhi Leonard just play some. Ridiculous basketball. I mean, 13 games of 30 points or more. 
I mean, he's playing some big-time basketball. Obviously, the buzzer beater against the Philadelphia 76ers there in that game seven, what he did against the Bucks, and what he's doing now against the Golden State Warriors. How do you rank this this run by Kawhi Leonard in these playoffs? Uh, it's, it's a good run. Obviously, that's a, sort of an understatement, but he's played at a high level, so it's not surprising. He's shooting, the obviously, the three-point shot a little bit more and, and making that shot. But he's been a fairly active player, even at San Antonio, during the playoffs. Right now, the spotlight is directly on him. He's having the basketball in his hands more. The fact that he's playing both ends of the court is very impressive. A lot of times, players only get credit when they're just offensive players, and they become MVPs because they're scoring points. But he's doing it by rebounding, making plays off the dribble, passing the basketball. He's he's playing the total game, and that's why it's very impressive to watch. Now, before last season where he only played nine games with the Spurs, I mean, he was considered maybe the best two-way player in the NBA. So I think it's a case where, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is there a case where we just forgot how good he was because of what happened last season? I think so. Of course, out of sight, out of mind, and that's not uncommon for any sport. If we go, if we go back two or three years ago, he was, he was like setting on fire in the playoffs. And that's when he's really started coming to life and people started acknowledging how great of a player he is. And so watching them play right now, I'm not any more impressed than I was three or four years ago when he was playing at that high level for San Antonio. It's, it's kind of what I expect from him. He has not disappointed. He's been, he's been really good this playoff series. Now let's go to your Bucks. now. Your Milwaukee Bucks had the best record in the NBA. They went out to the Raptors in six games. They were up two games to nothing. Ultimately, the Raptors were able to win the Final Four, and ultimately the Raptors were able to get to the NBA Finals. Looking at the Milwaukee Bucks at this point in time, obviously some decisions to make with Middleton and, and Brogdon in this offseason – but looking at this basketball team, how close is this team to winning a title, in your opinion? I had Milwaukee going to the finals this year. This year, That's how well they were playing as a basketball team. But injuries don't ever underestimate injuries and the impact they could have on a team, not only in the, in the playoffs, but leading up to the playoffs. And they ran into a team in Toronto that just got – red hot at the right time. They're, they're a fun team to watch. I thought they were one of the top two teams in the NBA this past season. I don't see them letting up very much. I don't know if they'll win 60 games next year, but I think they will be as good of a team next year as they are this year if they can keep some of their roster intact. What do you think went wrong against the Raptors? I mean, uh, against this Toronto Raptor team. It seemed like Milwaukee, those first two games, it just ran away with it. And then it just, the momentum changed in that game three, in that overtime game where Toronto was able to get that victory. But where do you think it went wrong against Toronto? I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. I was trying to analyze 
where did this thing go south with the Bucks? They were still playing good basketball, even in the four losses. I thought they played some good basketball. They just missed shots here and there. They had players that probably didn't play consistently. But I can't point to any one area where they lost it. I just think Toronto, and especially Leonard, he got just super aggressive offensively and started making plays. And you could tell the Bucks' confidence, younger team, not as experienced. I felt their confidence was shaken so much to the point where they just never recovered. Now, looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, he's probably going to be the MVP this year, had an MVP caliber season, put up some big-time numbers, and ultimately the Bucks had the best record in basketball. He feels like he needs to get better. And, and to me, it, it seems like he still needs to hone that jump shot a little bit, a little more for him to kind of take almost – and he's taken some big-time steps, but I almost feel like he needs to take another step and that's what his jump shot. But how do you see Giannis at this point of his career? I'm torn a little bit because Giannis is certainly the MVP of the NBA. He can continue to grow as a player. Uh, and one thing, one area he can grow is certainly his ability to consistently maybe make that jump shot. I don't want to see him, though, become the type of player most people want him to be, which is a three-point shooter, because he's too effective in the paint. Uh, the other area where he can improve is just make, making his foul shots more consistently. Even if he had not made jumpers, which he did in the playoffs, just think what would have happened had he made 80% of his foul shots. It would have just changed the entire complexion of that series. So I think he'll be, become a better foul shooter and he'll slowly start taking more shots. But we have to be, he has to be careful. His strength is still his length and his ability to get, in, to get in the paint and to make plays. I don't want him to lose the thing that he does the best because people are telling him you need to develop an outside shot. Now, ultimately, you know, do, do you expect him to stay in Milwaukee for, for the near future for, for most of his career? Why not? What, what better options are there? It's a great city. He has an outstanding coach. There's a lot of excitement behind the, not only the new arena, but the, the, the team. You win 60 games. You're getting the spotlight, and people used to say, well, you need to be in L.A. or New York or Chicago to get the spotlight. Guess what? Toronto, Milwaukee, uh, Golden State, which is obviously a big market with the Bay Area, but He's doing a lot in Milwaukee. Why would you want to change and disrupt the momentum that you've created? Uh, I, I, I don't think he would leave Milwaukee, but, hey, who am I to, to say? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Hall of Famer, Sidney Moncrief. And, Sidney, back in April, you got the call from the Hall of Fame. You will be a Hall of Famer. How excited were you when you finally got that call? It was it was a nice relief because people would always ask me, you're not in the Hall of Fame? And they would say, you should be in the Hall of Fame. And it's kind of hard to say who should be in there and who shouldn't. Uh, I really think 
you should be recognized not only for your pro career because it's not like the pro football hall of fame or it's the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. And I just felt that my resume from high school to college throughout the NBA was a pretty good resume. And I was very happy to, to see they, they recognized that defense and just being a professional and doing things the right way meant something as, as related, related to your NBA career. So I was very pleased. When did you realize during your career that there was a good possibility that you could be a Hall of Famer? It, it never hit my mind. I never thought about it. Okay. Never, ever thought about Hall of Fame when I was playing basketball. It, it was just not a goal. It's nothing I ever thought of. And even when I retired, when people would talk about it, I'd say, oh, that would be nice. But I wasn't <laughs> obsessed. Some people are, are, are obsessed with the Hall of Fame, if they don't make it, it's like their career is not complete. I just felt that I had a good career, and either way, it was going to be fine. But certainly, certainly, Paul, I'd rather be in the Hall of Fame than not. Ultimately, you said, you know, it wasn't something you obsessed over. How about winning an NBA title? Was something that eluded you during your career? Is, is that something that gnaws at you at all? No, because we always lost to teams that were better. It would, and I thought we gave our best effort. We had some, wow, we had some great teams in Milwaukee. Sixty games, fifty-seven win seasons, fifty-five win seasons, fifty-six win seasons. But the bottom line is Philadelphia. When they beat us for the conference finals, they were better. The Celtics, when they beat us twice for the conference finals, they were better. And I feel good about how we represented ourselves during my career. Although we never made it to the finals, I felt we were very competitive and we represented the city of Milwaukee very well. Have you decided who's going to present you? I'm still working on that. I I think it will be Don Nelson and Bob Lanier, I'm hoping. In terms of that speech... Have you played with it at all? I would I would love to have the shortest speech in the history <laughs> of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. I probably won't. And my my goal is to to tell people personally by phone calls or emails or letters the ones that have really impacted my career. I want to just tell them personally. And which means my speech should be shorter <laughs> than what what, it, what other people's would be would be. So I'm not really. I would love to get up and say thank you very much <laughs> and sit down. <laughs> would that be cool? <laughs> I think you should do it. Uh, that would be different. <laughs> that would be different because what else could be said? Right. What else can really be said? I mean, you're certainly very appreciative. I have so many players that has they played such a huge role in in my ascent as an NBA player from coaches, high school to college coaches to teammates to I mean, assistant coaches in the NBA. This is just a long list of people. Long list. Did you have a, a favorite teammate? Is, is there one teammate that, that was one of your favorite guys to play with that stands out for you? 
Uh, well, I had a very close relationship with Junior Bridgman and Harvey Catchings. Uh, we, we just did everything together on and off the court. And as far as on the court, I played well with both players. And that was the, the unique part of my game is it really didn't matter who was on the court with me. But I think what happens off the court is as important as to what's happening on the court. So those were two of the guys that I spent the most time with in the NBA. How would you, how would you be in this era of basketball? Obviously, they shoot to three a little more. Games are maybe a little more wide open. Guys maybe a little bit more athletic. But how would you be in this particular era of basketball? Well, I don't think they're any more wide open than we were. If you look at the scores of our games without a three-point shot being dominant, it was it was they're chasing records, scoring records that were created in the '80s and '70s in some cases. And I think with three-point shot, Paul, when you know that is a primary two, you work on it more. And I think players would have worked on their three-point shot more, and they would would have been better three-point shooters. We just didn't take a, three, a lot of three-pointers. We didn't work on it. I think I would be a good player in today's game. I don't really – I don't see the athleticism. The, if there are more players, there are gr- more players that are, that are athletic, right? But the players, the more athletic players are not any more athletic than the athletic players in the 80s. That makes sense to you? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Did I say that right? I think you did. So if you, if you take a Dominic Wilkins or a Dr. J – uh, some very explosive players that played in the 80s. I don't think you can name very many players today that would be as explosive Marcus Johnson, as explosive as those players. There's just more of them today. Right. And to me, that's the biggest difference as it relates to athleticism. So, so you feel like if you played in today's game, you probably would be more of a three-point shooter. I don't think my game would be – I think I would have been a better than a – I think I was a 28% career three-point shooter. I didn't take for me. I think I would have probably been a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, but I don't think my game would have been a three-point shooting game. I would have been more, a little bit more like Giannis, uh, inside, okay. and then transition. I had a, probably a little better in-between game than most players. And then I would have had the three-point shot as a weapon. I would have been just all-around player, all-around good player. What about in terms of defense? Obviously, you were a big-time defender during your day. With the rules now where you can't hand-check and everything, do you feel like you would have been able to adjust? Well, I I was just (laughs) – I thought I was okay defending in the NBA. I really did. I didn't think I was – like Dennis Johnson and Michael Cooper, I could think of some players that were better defensive players than I was in the NBA. I thought our team defense was so good with the Bucks that I just knew strategically where the funnel players and where my help would be. Uh, but in today's game, it's hard to guard people because it's more freedom of movement. The spacing is a little different, although people forget they had a you really had a more isolation type game in the what, mid-80s to where they would have, you would play three players on one side of the court and you could actually put two players on the other side high 
and the defenders were totally taken out of the play. So you were playing a lot of three-on-three basketball or or sometimes two-on-two basketball in the mid-'80s because of the roof. Uh, but certainly players have – I think their handle is better. You have, you have more point guards with handles that are better. Containment is more of an issue. Uh, and then the ability to get to the basketball was was uh, is a little different now because they spread the court with three point shooting. It would have created some issues, no doubt. We're talking to Hall of Famer Sidney Moncrief. So, what is going on with Sidney Moncrief today? Just loving life, loving life, and impacting people. We have a professional development company. And we do people development in the area of team enhancement, social skill development, emotional intelligence development, entrepreneurship, leadership, uh, and and just doing that and having watching some basketball, football, loving life, having fun. That's a beautiful thing. That's most definitely yeah. a beautiful it thing. It is. So, are you looking forward to this Hall of Fame induction? I'm looking forward to the celebration of the weekend because I have friends, not a lot of friends, but family members that will be attending, friends that will be attending, and it's going to be a very unique weekend for them to experience and certainly for me to experience it. I am looking forward to it, uh, getting it over, and then it will be, be another group next year, be out of sight, out of mind. So uh, I better enjoy enjoy all I can enjoy. That is true. I mean, yes, this it is, is your time to enjoy it. And it is my after time. this, it just goes on. It sure does. It keeps moving on. So I'm just very grateful, like I said, of all the players that have helped me get here and coaches. And it's been a nice journey, very nice journey. And what's what's really good about it is when you're when you're doing something you love. And you're not really focusing on on being famous or, or notoriety or the Hall of Fame. You're just out there having fun, balling, competing, and playing basketball. And that's definitely a beautiful thing when you do something that you love. And, and it, it really if you is. do it well, like you've done throughout the course of your well, career. You. You've done it well. And, and that's got to be very, very exciting. And then you look at all the great all the great players you played against. And it's like, wow, some of the players you grew up watching play on TV when you were younger, you're like, wow, I love to watch whoever, the Knicks player, the Celtics, all these great players. And now you're at a, you're in a place to where you're put right alongside them as it relates to the, your accomplishment on the basketball court. And you talked about Don Nelson and Nelly – you know, he had a lot of success in the NBA. He just could not win an NBA title. Do you think if Nelly would have won an NBA title, that history might look at him a little differently? I think a championship always uh, allows people to focus on how great you are as a coach, what, what most people don't understand, and they don't really study rosters, is typically the great coaches – that we talk about, they are great coaches, but their rosters were really strong, and they had the best teams. They not only were coaches that coached at a high level, 
but they had the best players. And in the NBA and in sports and basketball, the best players win for you. I'm not saying the coach doesn't play a role, but you lose a Kevin Durant, you lose a Clay Thompson, and then you, now things change a little bit. Uh, so I think Nelly, as a coach, in my mind, is still one of the greatest coaches because he he looked at what he had, he looked at what the other team had, he said, looked at what the other team had, and he was able to strategically do things from a matchup standpoint that would get him in a position to win a game that maybe some other people would not think outside of the box like he did. He doesn't I mean, get enough he, credit for that. He invented the point forward. Well, point forward, he also, and I don't know if he invented the fact that one of the first big men to consistently shoot three-point shots consistently, it happened under Don Nelson. Uh, now, now seven footers. It's not uncommon for them to, to shoot three point shots. But he, but he, he wanted to draw that big man from the basket to open up driving lanes for players like myself. So a lot of things right. he's done. The zone when when they, when they changed the rules, and him and Dell Harris when, they, when the NBA changed the rules on zone defense, they found a way to exploit the rules with isolation basketball. Uh, when 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 the zone rule went into effect, they found a way. Don Nelson and Dale Harris, they found a way to. We would play man to man for about oh 14 seconds on the shot clock, and then we would switch to a zone. And most most players and coaches didn't know that it, it confused the offense. It's so many things you can just go down the list of things that that he's done as a coach that were very innovative and he, he gets all, he should receive credit and he, he's fine. His, his, I think his, his legacy is, is solid as a basketball yeah. coach. I would yes. agree with that. I would definitely right. agree with that. So, so fans, you can connect with Sidney Moncrief, sydneymoncrief.com. That's sydneymoncrief.com. And you can support all the great things going on with Hall of Famer, Sidney Moncrief. Sydney, thank you. Absolute pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Would love to do it again. We'll we'll do it again. Go Buck. For sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you.